Last week we talked about uh, praying and giving thanks. Went through Daniel, his life, things that happened there, and how regardless of his past, he prayed and he gave thanks. Regardless of his present situation, where he was facing the lions, he prayed and gave thanks. And scripture says, in all circumstances, pray and give thanks. And today we're going to talk about strengthening your brothers. You will strengthen your brothers. Sometimes people think, well, how can I strengthen my brothers when I don't seem to have the strength myself? Well, we're going to look at that. And um, we're going to see a situation where someone who failed became someone who strengthened his brothers. And uh, I was just, it was just blessing me as I was going through this message. So I hope it will be an encouragement to you also. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22. And it's uh, not a long text, but we'll pick out a few key things there. So background to this, Jesus has just had his final meal with his disciples. He had taken the bread, gave thanks, told them, this is my body that's given for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, I mean, it's been a very special time. And it's interesting as you lead, uh, read through Luke chapter 22 that after this time when Jesus is, is sharing about this new covenant that's, that's poured out in his blood, that the disciples get into a discussion after that. Do you remember what the discussion was? Who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Isn't that interesting? He's just gone through this this. Uh, this covenant and how he's laying his life down for them. And they, then they get into a discussion because they're thinking, well, maybe the kingdom's getting pretty close. I wonder who's going to be the top dog in the kingdom besides Jesus. And they're, they're in this discussion. And then Jesus, he hears it and he has to correct them and say, look, it's serving. It's about serving. It's not about being served. And then he addresses Peter. And <clears throat> it seems to kind of come out of nowhere. But in Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Let's pray. Father, we uh, we thank you for your word. And Father, thank you that you show us we learn from your word. And I pray that today, that by your Holy Spirit, you would just be able to minister and encourage and strengthen and uh, just reveal your heart to people today. And Father, we thank you that your plan is a very, very amazing plan. And we thank you that you've, you've incorporated us into it. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's, let's just take this, uh, this passage and we'll look at it a little more closely. The first thing that we see is that Satan is sifting. Now, that's not a pleasant thing to talk about, but it's the absolute truth. Satan wants to sift people. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. As, it's, as wheat is sifted to separate the chaff from the, from the wheat, Satan wants to do that to us. He desires to destroy lives. You, you know that, right? I mean, it's not much fun to talk about, but Scripture tells us that Satan does want to destroy lives. He sets up plans, schemes, traps. The Bible uses various words with his goal being to destroy. And in uh, John 10.10, the verse is up there, it says, The thief, and it's speaking of Satan and all those that are uh, under him, the thief comes only to steal. He wants to steal from us, to kill and destroy. But Jesus went on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Huge difference. Huge difference. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you'd have life and have it to the full. Well, Satan tries to keep people from understanding the gospel. Right? He does not want them to understand the gospel. He does not want them to get it. He wants it to be confusing. He wants it to be whatever, anything but clear. And I know we've been praying on Saturday nights, God, let the message be so clear. Let there be clarity, clarity so people can grasp it. Look at this verse here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Why can't they get it? Because they're blind. It's not because they've necessarily fully understood the message and decided that they didn't want it. Many times, they're just blind to it. Okay, I've shared with you before that people, you know, the gospel had tried to come to me in different ways as I was growing up. I didn't see it. I didn't get it. Well, didn't you ever see churches? Yeah, I saw churches when I was growing up. I saw them, you know, the buildings and that. I didn't really know why people went there. And I wasn't really that curious. Blind. Just blind. It goes on to say, He's blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. The message of Jesus, it's for the whole world. It's shining in the darkness. Every time you share the gospel... Every time you share the love of Jesus, it's shining in the darkness. But some people are blind. Then it goes on to say, They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan is trying to blind people from understanding how Jesus died for their sins and they can be restored to God. He's trying to blind them. Now, when I pray for people that need the Lord, I'll pray... Father, I just take authority over that blindness in Jesus' name. God, I just tear down that blindness so that the gospel can reach that person. You know, and I'll, by name I'll say it, but you know, if he's blinded them, then in the name of Jesus, I'll take authority over the blindness. You know what I'm saying? Pray for those who need, the, who need Jesus. Pray for them. It's a spiritual battle. So he is trying to uh, keep people from Jesus. 
But he's also trying to destroy the faith of those who are following Jesus. He, try, he's, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. And the faith that I have, the faith that you have, he tries to destroy it. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, he tries to destroy it. Let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. So the Apostle Peter, speaking to the church, to the body of Christ, and he says, be self-controlled. <laughs> Got to have some self-control in this life, okay? Be self-controlled and alert. We're just not going through life, just kind of whatever happens, happens. No, he said, you need to go through life alert. Go through life aware. Why? Your enemy. You have an enemy. Well, I don't want an enemy. It doesn't matter whether you want an enemy or not. You have one. Okay? <laughs> you have an enemy. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's nasty. There's nothing nice about that when you read it. But that's the reality. He is prowling around. He is observing. He is watching. He is, he is very aware. And he's looking for someone to devour. And, um, you know, have you ever watched those nature shows and watched things get killed? I was watching one the other day. Lindsay made me turn it off. It was just getting good. And she made me turn it off. But anyway... <clears throat> The, uh, the lions or whatever, what do they often go after? The babies. You know who Satan often goes after? The babies. The baby believers. Goes after them. Tries to steal that faith. Tries to discourage them. Tries to get them to give up. Be frustrated. Uh, lions and you know predators they also go after the weak okay you know it, the weaker ones are a little slower they can't get away quite as fast they're the ones that get snagged you know Satan isn't nice there's nothing nice about him nothing nice about him as a young Christian I thank God for his mercy <laughs> and I, I mean he just brought me through a lot of stuff but boy did Satan try to snuff out my faith he really did and he just, he'll get in your head and he'll do all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the what? Faith. He's trying to steal your faith. He's trying to destroy your faith. And God's word says, no, stand firm in that faith. Stand firm in it. Don't let him take it away from you. Don't let him steal it. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. None of us in this room is the unique person that the devil is trying to pick on. He does it to everybody. To everyone. Well, our text said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. 
Now, the you there is plural. Later on, it's singular when he does specifically uh, speak of Peter. <clears throat> but in that instance, it's plural. It doesn't mean just Peter. When he says trying to sift you, that meant the disciples. He's trying to sift all of you. But then Jesus talks uh, specifically to Peter. <clears throat> so the you is plural in that instance. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, and sift... <clears throat> The definition in, uh, for that word, the Greek word, is to shake in a sieve or by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. There's an inward thing going on that's trying to overthrow your faith. He's trying to sift you. <clears throat> Somebody today, you might feel like you're going through a sifting time. It's a tough time. It's a discouraging time. Uh, maybe it's a wearing time. Satan, he will take advantage of that. He will. But I want to encourage you, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. I want us to read the rest of these verses here. We don't need to lose hope. We don't even really need to be afraid. Okay, We don't need to be afraid. Okay, We can do this. Satan is sifting, but the next thing we see in our text is that Jesus is hes praying. Jesus is praying. Let's take a look at that. <clears throat> Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, sift all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Simon that your faith may not fail. Jesus prayed for Peter. That word fail means to leave out, omiss, pass by, quit, cease, stop. Okay, That your faith won't stop. And um, we're going to find out that Peter does fall. He does fall. But his faith doesn't stop. There's a big difference between falling and your faith stopping. Okay, We've fallen many times, but our faith doesn't have to stop. We can get back up again. Let's look at some verses that talks about Jesus praying for us. And, and these are just so... They're just such neat verses. We've got about three or four of them here. Hebrews chapter 7. <clears throat> I should have uh, Bill up here teaching this one. He's been going through Hebrews. It's been an awesome class. I, I kind of get there sometimes. I can't make it all the time. But uh, very encouraging class as he's going through Hebrews. Hebrews seven twenty four. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. And it's been comparing the Old Testament priesthood to Jesus as the great high priest. And his Jesus' priesthood never stops. In the Old Testament, a priest was human, and they had their priesthood till when? Till they died. Okay? It was not an unending priesthood for, at that time. You were a priest, and then when you died, you died, and someone else took over. So uh, Jesus has this permanent priesthood. In verse 25, Therefore he is able to save completely. Not partially. 
completely those who come to God through Him. Through Jesus, we come to God. We become one with Him through Christ. We're in His nature. He's in us. Because He always lives to intercede for them. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. He's praying for you. Yes, Satan is sifting. But Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying. You're not on your own in this situation. Now, the enemy will try to get us to feel very much alone. The enemy will try to get us to feel very isolated. We're the only ones going through this you know, maybe nobody understands, and it's just. But the truth is, even though Satan is sifting, Jesus is praying. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Let's go to First John. Well, what if somebody does fall into sin? Well, let's look at that. First John chapter two, the apostle John speaking to the body, speaking to those followers of Jesus. My dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. I'm going to write you some things to remind you. Don't go there. Don't get into that. Don't sin. But, if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus is praying. If you do fall, I don't want you to fall. Don't fall. There's pain in that. (laughs) But if you do fall, remember, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus is praying. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If you fell, okay. But the righteous one who has never fallen and never will is praying for you. He's praying for you. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He died for the whole world. It's, it's already, the, the sins of the entire world have already been paid for. It's not like they have, they have to be paid for. It's done. It's done. And Jesus is interceding for you. Jesus is praying for you. The enemy, in in all of his sifting, will try to get us to think that the Father is just frustrated with our failures and weaknesses. That the Father's done. The Father's had enough. And that Jesus is disappointed. And Jesus is like, okay, how how many chances do I have to give you? The enemy tries to do that. He's sifting. But Scripture says, cling to Jesus. But I failed. Yeah. Cling to Jesus. Cling. Don't stop trusting Jesus. Now, if you stop trusting yourself, that's a good thing. Okay, the the tough times that we go through, if we get to the point where we stop trusting ourselves, wonderful. That's an awesome thing to happen. But never stop trusting Jesus. Let's look at this verse. Hebrews chapter 4. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. 
Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive what? His mercy. If you need mercy, it's there. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Jesus is praying. Satan is sifting, and that won't stop. But Jesus is praying, and that won't stop either. Now, the next thing, as we go back to our text, talks about the uh, turning back. And the third point I want to bring out is the weak will turn back. See, I think Peter was confident in his ability to live for Jesus. Peter, I'm praying for you. And when you come back, (laughs) strengthen your brothers. And look at the words of Peter. He replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. What are you talking about, Jesus? This is me. I've been with you for three years. There is no way I'm falling. There is no way that is going to happen. If I have to die for you, I will do it. If I have to go to prison for you, I will do it. Peter was very confident in his ability to be strong, in his ability to make it. Have you ever been there? What typically happens after we are very confident in our own strength and ability? What typically happens? It isn't pretty. That pretty well describes it. Okay, it's not very pretty. Let me tell you, every time I have been confident in my strength and my ability to live for God and that I will just, every time the focus has been on me, it's like a crash comes. And when I'm not very confident in me, but all my confidence is in God, that's when stability comes. Peter was very confident. But you know what? Jesus knew Peter was going to fall. He listened to this whole thing. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He said, yeah, yeah. You're going to deny me three times within the next 24 hours. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Jesus knew he would, he would fall. Let's look at his words. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I know you're going to fall, but I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. And you're going to turn back. Well, let's just read the history of what happens. So after this discussion between Jesus and Peter, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. And and it's just, you know, it's a very difficult time for Jesus in prayer because he knows that he's going to be separated from the Father because of the sins of the world being put on him. He knows that's just coming up. And so he's in the garden praying. Then the crowds come to get Jesus. Peter does have some boldness. He has a sword. He tries to stop the crowds from taking Jesus. He swings a sword at somebody, cuts off their ear. 
I'm sure he wasn't aiming for the ear, but that's what he hit. The ear came off. Jesus stops him. He said, Peter, no. You know, those that live by the sword, they'll die by the sword. You know, no. I have to go through this. This has to happen. So the crowd takes Jesus away. But let's read what happens after that. <clears throat> Starting with verse 54, same chapter. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And Peter's got some boldness. All the disciples scattered, but there was one other disciple and Peter that followed. They followed Jesus. But when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. So he just kind of comes right into the high priest's courtyard and he's just watching to see what's going to happen. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. This man was with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. That's once. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. I am not a follower of Jesus. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Evidently, there's accents back there, just like we have around here. You can tell what area you're from by your accent. He's a Galilean. <laughs> Let, let's look at this verse together. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine what that moment was like? He has just denied knowing Jesus the third time. The rooster crows, just like Jesus said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And Jesus gets eye contact with Peter. Man, that would be a tough situation. Jesus looks right at him and, and you know I'm sure Peter was getting the message Peter I told you this would happen and now it has the Lord turned looked straight at Peter then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today you will disown me three times and he went outside and he wept bitterly wow he's walked with Jesus for three years seen miracles, been part of the process, done miracles too in Jesus' name. He's done all of that. And now in this moment of pressure, sifting, serious sifting, he says three times, once to a servant girl and then a couple other people, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Wow. Peter fell. Have you ever fallen? Have you ever fallen? <clears throat> he fell he denied Jesus under pressure now I'm not going to point a finger at Peter Okay, I'm not going to do that Peter realizes he was so full of pride thought he was this great follower of Jesus the rock that could not be shaken and then look what happens now <clears throat> 
He's just a broken man. He's just broken. He's invested three years walking with Jesus. He put everything else aside. Lived with him. Walked with him. Served him. And now it's just all gone away. He's broken. He has no more confidence in his own strength. That's gone. All Peter can do is hope. Is hope that God's mercy will cover what just happened. That is all he can do. Is hope, oh God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. That's all he can hope for. Oh God, please be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. Peter fell, but Jesus had prayed. Jesus had prayed that he would not lose his faith. Jesus knew it would happen. Sometimes you and I are shocked at what we have done. Let me just tell you, Jesus knew it would happen. He was not shocked when we failed. It didn't catch him by surprise. Okay. When he saved you, at whatever time he saved you, he knew down the road this would happen, this would happen, this would happen, and this would I mean, he knew. We didn't know, but he knew. And so we're shocked. But Jesus is praying. Father, don't let them lose their faith. Don't let them lose their faith. Yeah, they failed miserably right now. But don't let them lose their faith. Satan is sifting. Jesus is praying. And he just wants us to come back. Come back. When you've come back, Well, let's read this a little bit further. Because I love the way that God personally reaches out to Peter, the disciple that failed the most up to this point. Let's look at this. So, Jesus has gone to the cross. He died for the sins of the world. His body is taken and put in the tomb. Stone is rolled in front, sealed. It's Sabbath, so... You know, nobody's supposed to be out doing any work or anything. And then day after Sabbath, these women come with spices. They want to anoint the body of Jesus. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath, but now Sabbath is over, so they've come. They're hoping they're on their way to the tomb. They're hoping there's somebody there that will just please roll the stone back so they can go in and anoint the body of Jesus. But they encounter something completely unexpected. When you go to Mark chapter 16, it it talks about this. Let's look at it. Verse 6. So they they come to the tomb. The stone is rolled away. And so they step inside, and they see this young man dressed in white. He's inside the tomb, but Jesus' body is not there. And this is what it says. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. 
Peter probably wondered if he was even a disciple of Jesus anymore. You know, if they said, go tell his disciples, and they ran back and told the disciples, Peter probably would have thought, I'm not one of his disciples. I denied him three times. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Make sure he understands. He is still one of my disciples. I believe the Lord would say to people in this room, go tell my followers and you, even after you failed, and you, I still want you as my child. I still want you as my disciple. The love of Jesus. We sing all those songs, but do we really comprehend how great the love of Jesus is? Do we really comprehend how great the love of the Father is? Because we think he's better than us because we're so far different. No, he's much better than us. Much better than us. His forgiveness is much greater than any forgiveness we have ever given. Go tell his disciples... And Peter. Make sure he knows. Well, it goes on. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him, just as he told you. You're going to see him again. Well, Peter turned back. He did turn back. Now, I went through the fact that Satan is sifting and he's still doing it. And maybe he's doing it in a major way in your life right now. But that's just what he does. There's nothing good about him. Satan is sifting. But Jesus is praying. Do not forget that. Jesus is praying. The weak will return. The weak will return. And the last point is, they will strengthen their brothers. You mean the one that fell will be the one that strengthens? Yes. You mean the one that denied Jesus under pressure? would be the one to help others stand for Jesus? Yes. The weak will return, and they will strengthen their brothers. How can I be a strength to others? I don't have any strength my, of my own. I guarantee you, God is going to bring you through, and you will strengthen your brothers. This room is filled with people that will strengthen their brothers regardless of what you're going through right now. Let's take a look at this. Our text, <clears throat> read it several times. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. How could Peter strengthen his brothers? Well, he had received God's mercy in a great way. And when he sees another brother struggling, he can say, you know what? There's mercy for you because I received it for me. He will be able to strengthen his brothers. He's experienced God's grace again. Did he deserve it? No, he didn't deserve it. He was warned by Jesus and he failed anyway. You have been warned by God's word and failed at times. But the grace of God, the grace of God. Bill's going through chapter 11 in Hebrews, the faith chapter. It's interesting that 
all those people of faith, as you go through it, by faith they did this, by faith they did that, God never lists their failures. And when you read their history, you see where they failed at times. God doesn't list any failures, just their faith. God is not keeping track of our failures. All right? We're moving on. We're moving on. Strengthen your brothers. See, I'm right on track here. I think we're going to get done here in just a little bit. Satan's schemes to mess you up, to get you discouraged, to try to cause you to fall, Satan's schemes are God's opportunities. I want you to remember that. Satan's schemes are God's opportunities. Let's take a look at this. Let's just pretend that we heard the conversation between Satan and Peter. Let's just pretend. Satan said this, If I can get Peter to deny Jesus, I will destroy his faith. I will destroy his life. Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I will make him too ashamed to ever come back to Jesus again. And I will cause Peter to live in condemnation for what he has done for the rest of his life. That's the plan of Satan. Sifting. But let's see what God says. God says, I'm going to use Peter's failure to show him how great my love really is. Let me tell you, those who have <laughs> crashed the hardest are oftentimes those who understand the love of God the most. <laughs> Jesus said about the one woman who came in and was washing his feet with her tears and hair. You know, he who has forgiven much loves much. God said, now Peter will understand that his strength will always fail, but my strength will carry him through. Now Peter is not going to be so quick to judge others. Now Peter is going to be much more willing to offer mercy to others instead of judgment. Now Peter is going to have compassion on the weak instead of just admiration for the strong. Let me tell you, what Satan wants to use to destroy in the hands of God will be used to redeem and strengthen and make even more pure. Now Peter is going to care more about strengthening his brothers than he ever did before. And he's going to have more patience in the process. Oh, I tell you. It's amazing. So let's wrap it up here. <clears throat> you will strengthen your brothers. Let me just speak that to you, and you're already doing it. You will strengthen your brothers. I'm being sifted right now. That's fine. Jesus is praying. You will strengthen your brothers. You will make it through. You will come back. 
and you will understand God in ways you didn't before. You'll have a strength that you didn't have before. You'll have a confidence. You'll have a humility you didn't have before. And you will strengthen your brothers. I want to encourage you, church. When you see somebody isn't in church, a little harder to do during the summertime because a lot of people aren't in church during the summertime. But anyway, when you see somebody isn't in church, don't take a mental note, I hope the pastor calls them. Don't do that. Don't do that. When you see somebody's not in church, you call them. Strengthen your brother. Encourage your brother. Anything that you're hoping the pastor will do, just do it. Well, within reason. (laughs) You realize that the Bible says that you are the ones that do the work of the ministry. In Ephesians, that's what it says. God gives the church past, you know, the prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher to equip you guys to do the works of the ministry. It's, it's not my job to call everybody, although I want to, but it's your job too. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Be quick to forgive. The mercy that you have received, show it to others. I'm speaking to myself too. I am. All right. Satan is sifting. Jesus is praying. The weak, because Jesus is praying, they will turn back. They will strengthen their brothers. 